Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless You Boys Podcast Weekend Edition. I'm your host, Brandon Day. Um, if you didn't catch our first episode last weekend, um, last Sunday, um, this is a new project I'm going to try to take on and keep up with this year where I will do kind of a weekly wrap. Um, probably these episodes will come out on Saturdays or Sundays. Um, Basically, what I wanted to do is just kind of do a shorter episode than the normal Bless You Boys podcast, um, which you guys are hopefully familiar with, um, which I host along with my co-host, Ashley McClemon. Um, Ashley is a very busy lady. Um, she has a lot of, a lot of uh, enterprises and uh, projects and duties and jobs <laughs> um, to undertake, and so it's pretty hard to get her for more than one night a week. Um, and what we like to do on the main podcast is kind of talk about everything and let ourselves just kind of um, go off onto whatever tangents we want. Um, we talk a lot about the league in general, um, some of the some of the more big picture stories um, from from a week in baseball. Um, so what I wanted to do here is kind of do a little bit more of the housekeeping and really kind of like um, hit on the Tigers, um, you know, and their past week, some of the key performances, um, what we're seeing up there, um, some individual notes we've we've heard from. From other sources um, and kind of some of the best takes um, we've had around the site and kind of bring that to you in a little bit more condensed format so that when we do the the main show on Tuesday nights um, and release that on Wednesday um, we're a little more free to just kind of um, just kind of free form it um, the format of the main podcast is basically just Ashley and I um, having a weekly phone call where we just talk about anything that strikes our fancy um, in terms of Tigers baseball or baseball in general or possibly wandering off into all other sorts of historical, scientific, and whatever other tangents that we get into. So, um, what I'm going to do in this episode basically is just run you da- run down the um, the New York Yankees series. Um, the second segment, we're going to talk about opening day and talk about Spencer Turnbull, um, some of the issues with the offense, and why you probably shouldn't be terribly worried about that at this point. And then um, I'll wrap it up with a couple notes on opening days from around the minor leagues. Um, I got done watching Matt Manning's first outing of the season for the Erie Seawolves earlier. Um, Isaac Paredes hit a huge jack to left field in that game. Um, Just looked fantastic, um, as he did all last year. Um, That was fun. Um, So we'll get into that at the end and probably wrap um, wrap it up on that note. So, pretty darn good week for the Tigers. Um... You know, we don't have a lot of expectations this year that don't um, revolve around individual players and their development. Um, basically, we just want to, uh, want the team to play some fun baseball. And, you know, something we've kind of observed over the past, um, well, five, this is my fifth year um, covering the team. Um, but um, our managing editor, Robert Jackie, has pointed this out over and over again, which is just that the Tigers are kind of a, a fast starting team. Um, it doesn't seem to matter you know, what the roster is, um, you know, you guys will remember some of the, the quick starts that um, some of the, the Brad Osmus led Tigers teams got out to. Um, obviously, those things, you know, tended to flounder in May and June um, more often than not. But um, but overall, the Tigers just seem to have a knack for coming out of Lakeland um, with a little bit of a uh, little bit of fire under them and uh, taking it to some teams that maybe no one expects expects them to in the early going. And they've definitely done that so far. Um to be out to a five and three record, um, having gone through the Toronto Blue Jays and the New York Yankees both on the road, um, is pretty darn good. Um, in the last episode, I, I talked about the the Blue Jays series, so we'll leave it there. But obviously, the starting pitching was the story of that series. Um, the Tigers got four really good turns from their starters, and that has continued on this week. Um, 
The Tigers did drop game one to the Yankees um, by a score of three to one. Um, that game took place on Monday. Um, Tyson Ross was the starter. Tyson Ross didn't look terribly good. Um, he did walk four batters. Um, I believe in that game he struck out four as well. Um, allowed two runs or three runs, two of them earned. Um, and, you know, and wasn't bad. Um, it's obviously not the, the Yankee lineup that you would expect to face. Um, that's a team that's pretty much, you know, positionally just racked with injuries right now. Um, they've got Giancarlo Stanton out. They've got Aaron Hicks out. They've got Miguel Andujar out. Um, and even some of the depth that they had brought in to, to kind of back them up, um, like, you know, Troy Tulowitzki um, is hurt as well. So they don't even kind of have the backup. Um, it's kind of like Brett Gardner, Gary Sanchez, and Aaron Judge, and, you know, a bunch of guys you're not that familiar with. Um, you know, Luke Voigt and Andrew, Andrew Bird. Is it Andrew Bird? No, that's the singer who I like. Greg, Greg Bird. Um, those two guys playing first base, you know, are decent young bats, but not guys that you necessarily fear. Um, Tyson Ross in general, you know, I've always really liked Tyson Ross's slider. I was pretty happy that they picked him up. Um, I kind of had him on a list with like Matt Shoemaker and Garrett Richards um, of guys I was really interested in seeing the Tigers pick up um, at a low cost, knowing that they weren't going to spend a lot of money this offseason. Um, and, you know, Tyson Ross was all right. Um, the slider still looks pretty good. He was still getting swings and misses. Um, but overall, you know, his command wasn't terribly good. Um, you know, the fastball is more 92-93 now than um, kind of in his heyday when he was a little bit closer to sitting 95 with regularity. He was kind of mixing in a cutter um, on the inside of the plate to right-handers that was pretty interesting. Um, he showed a willingness to kind of go inside and jam those guys. And I think that's going to be important because um, when he was living on the outside of the plate with the slider and the fastball, he was getting hit. Um, there were pretty good swings against him, even from some guys that um, don't really have that much business, you know, hitting well in the major leagues at this point in their careers. Um, there's some young guys over on the Yankees who, who look like they were seeing the ball well against him. So, you know, it was the first start. Um, all these things are small samples. Um, it's it's in the early going. You know, a, a pitcher can, you know, have a terrible outing and then come back and have a great outing. And their numbers will, you know, will turn from night and day that quickly. So you can't take too much um, out of all these things. We'll just see what Tyson Ross has going forward. <clears throat> Obviously, the Tigers' offense didn't do much in that game and didn't do really much of anything in that whole series. Um, in game one, Domingo German, um, who's a, a nice young pitching prospect, but was really, you know, kind of just effectively wild. You know, he's walking guys left and right, um, but really only gave up the one hit. So... Um, they were a little bit anxious there, perhaps, um, from some of the some of the lesser bats in the Tigers' order, while Miguel Cabrera and Nick Castellanos have both shown kind of unique amounts of patience um, in the early going. Um, I haven't seen the two of them take as many kind of fastballs right down the middle for strikes um, as, as they did, you know, or they have really in the early going. So that'll be something to watch. Um, they just seem to be a little bit perhaps overly patient. Um, they were getting a lot of fastballs first pitch and, and taking them, um, which isn't characteristic of a Lloyd McClendon um, as your hitting coach style team, um, nor reminiscent, you know, really of, of most of the Tiger teams we've seen over the last 10 years. So um, we'll see if that, you know, if that's a strategy, maybe they're trying to be patient. Miguel Cabrera probably just isn't seeing the ball all that well. Um, he's still, you know, trying to get back in the groove after missing over, you know, well, about four months last year. Um, Nick Castellanos is hitting the ball fine, um, but both of the two of them have kind of been drawing their walks and teams have been staying away from them, um, whether by design or by accident, we'll just have to see, um, going forward. Um, but the Tigers came out in game two and Jordan Zimmerman went out and pitched another absolute gem for us. Um, you know, just painting the quarters, had his slider going, 
Um, is using the slider almost as much as his fastball now, which is a really smart move because the fastball, while he can locate it really well and, you know, kind of keep the swings um, a little bit weak against it, you know, it's still not a super lively fastball and he's sitting, you know, 90 to 92 miles an hour. So, you know, at times he's still, you would have to expect he's still going to get hit hard, but by mixing in that slider and kind of being able to bend it sort of into more of a cutter shape and then, you know, kind of the, the real wipeout slider um, that, that he'll get a lot of swings and misses with. And then mixing in his curveball as well, which um, I think has been more of a weapon than I expected over the past year for him, at least when he's been healthy. Um, he's looked really good. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, kind of beat a dead horse now that James McCann is gone. But um, but I do do feel like just watching, you know, these first eight games that, um, you know, you're seeing better better actions from the catching behind the plate. Um, Grayson Griner is a lot better receiver than James McCann really ever was. Um, John Hicks isn't great, but um, but he's acceptable in that, in, you know, in that department. And so, you know, when you have a pitcher with the control that Jordan Zimmerman has, um, they can really set people up and make them look bad. And they did so on Tuesday. Um, at the plate, you know, we, we saw more of the same. Um, the Tigers struck out, I think, was it 12 times in that? Yeah, 12 times in that game. Um, but they did rack up 11 hits, uh, mostly against Masahiro Tanaka. So that was kind of the, the game where we started to see the offense um, flash a little bit more potency there. Um, John Hicks doubled. Um, Jamer Candelario had a pair of doubles. Um, he's, you know, Jamer Candelario has been a little up and down so far, but he's had a couple really big games. Um, of course, had a five-hit game in Toronto. And it was Dustin Peterson, um, who against Araldus Chapman came through with a double off the left field wall to score the eventual game winner. Uh, and that was really cool. You know, Dustin Peterson is a young guy. Um, that was his first major league hit, I believe. And to do that against Araldus Chapman, you know, you know, perhaps the most terrifying, you know, closer since Mariano Rivera's prime. Uh, was was pretty impressive and just a really cool moment. And you could see he was, um, you know, he was a little bit overwhelmed and just having the time of his life after that one. Uh, that was just a, you know, that was a cool win. And going into that series, you know, most of us, you know, just kind of wanted us to take one from the Yankees and bring it back home, you know, three and four. That would have been acceptable. Um, and he got it done there with that hit. The bullpen locked things down. The bullpen's been really good so far as well. Um, this is the time of the year where pitchers do tend to be ahead of the hitters. Um, it's cold out. You know, guys are standing around while the pitchers are moving or in the dugout. Um, so, you know, take all these things with a grain of salt, as as we said earlier. But, um, you know, Joe Jimenez blanked him in that in that game. Shane Green picked up his third save already um, in that game on Tuesday. Um, the bullpen didn't allow any hits over two and a third innings. Um, so that was just a butte right there. And then they came out the next day and they did it again. And this time it was Gordon Beckham getting the game-winning home run, which, you know, f for a lot of us who just don't really see much of a point to having Gordon Beckham on the roster when you could hopefully, you know, pick up someone a little bit younger who actually still has some upside remaining. Um, it was, you know, it's nothing personal against Gordon Beckham, so it was very cool to see him come through and contribute in a big way to a victory there. Um, but the real story of that game was Matt Boyd, who just went nuts, um, struck out 13 Yankees, Looked damn near unhittable in that game. Um, you know, he gave up some singles. You know, he gave up one earned run. He did walk three. Um, you, you do have to factor in, again, that the Yankees lineup isn't at full power by any means. Um, the early innings of that game, you know, were kind of um, sun-streaked between the pitching mound and home plate. And so, you know, that can mess with, 
with hitters, the ball's going from dark to light and back again um, as it approaches the plate. That makes it even tougher, um, especially when you have a guy like Boyd who is really kind of throwing from a wide arm angle. Um, you know, there were a lot of comparisons on Twitter with people, you know, who obviously don't pay a lot of attention to Matt Boyd and are taking notice now uh, because, of, you know, he's that, that was 23 strikeouts um, in t- his first two starts, which for the moment um, was the the major league lead. Um, Jacob deGrom did come out the next, that same night and eclipse him in that in that score, but um, still leads the American League with 23 strikeouts. And, you know, Matt Boyd's slider just, you know, just looks incredible. Um, prior to the 2018 season, he was, um, Boyd was training at Driveline Baseball out in Washington, um, which he does every offseason, but he really, really committed to, to trying to develop a new slider and wasn't, wasn't happy with the previous version. And the new one he's throwing is almost more of like a slurve. Um, you know, it's, it's 80, 81 miles per hour, whereas his old slider was more like 85, 86. Um, and this thing just has a ton of horizontal movement and depth on it now. Um, he was back-footing right-handed hitters all day, and they were just, just absolutely coming nowhere close to the baseball, and it was impressive. And the other thing, you know, we saw that last year. You know, Boyd, you know, really, really leaned into the slider. I think he threw 20% more sliders um, out of his total pitch mix in 2018 than he had in 2017. Um, I wrote about this earlier in the week. There's an article up on the site um, about it and Matt Boyd's, um, you know, kind of potential breakout status here. But the thing that he did so far in these first two starts that he didn't do last year is that he's basically ditched the sinker um, or the two-seamer, whichever, whichever way you want to characterize it. Um, it never really had a ton of sink to it, but he did get used to get more ground balls um, and had a very high fly ball percentage last year, which led a lot of us to kind of, kind of worry. Um, you know, he had, a, he had his career best year last year, uh, but he was vulnerable to the long ball, uh, especially outside of Comerica Park. And that is still something you're going to have to watch for this year, but he's basically just sort of leaning into it. Um, he is throwing basically all four seamers at this point. He's living up in the zone um, from 90 to 93 miles per hour. And because he's doing that, all three of his made pitches are coming out at the exact same angle when they leave his hand. And so far they've been indistinguishable um, to hitters. And you've got a curveball that's basically 70 miles per hour with, with, kind of huge horizontal sweep to it in depth. You've got the, the new slider that's at about 80 miles per hour with similar depth um, and horizontal movement, really sw- you know sweeping it all the way across the plate, looking like Andrew Miller or a Chris, si- Chris Sale kind of style slider. And then he's pumping, pumping the fastball at the top of the zone and guys can't tell him apart. And when you have your, you know, your three main offerings separated by 10 miles per hour from each other, that generates a lot of whiffs um, when you're, you know, when your velocity bands are closer together, it's more likely that guys can adjust after they start to swing and still get a piece. Um, when your pitches are 10 miles per hour apart, it's really hard to do that. And because they're all looking the same out of his hand, um, it's, you know, it's just playing hell on hitters right now. And we'll have to see how it goes. Um, you know, M- Matt Boyd maybe could be this year's Patrick Corbin, um, a guy who just finally, like, fully refined his slider you know, last season and just leaned heavily into it and was just striking people out left and right like he'd never had before. Uh, Mad Boyd kind of did that last year, but um, but with the emphasis on the four-seamer up and a little bit more horizontal movement so far this year, um, it seems like he's even kind of getting around and even on top of the ball a little bit, almost almost to, to a, a spin axis that's somewhere right between a slider and a curveball. 
Um, he's, he's getting just absolutely fantastic movement on that pitch, and he was carving people up. So that's going to be fun to watch. Um, you still have to, you know, you still have to kind of see how things go because this is all about consistency, and we've seen Matt Boyd rip off really nice stretches um, basically each of the last three years where he had a month or two where he was just dominating everybody and then would suddenly blow up for a bunch of starts. Uh, and that could still happen this year. Um, but when you're getting more swings and misses, you're getting more whiffs overall, um, the, the chances for that damage coming and the chances of that damage when it does come being when you have runners on base is all kind of diminished. Um, and that and that's really kind of what he needed to do is find a way to punch out a few more guys um, while keeping the walks down. And so far he's, you know, he's right on course to do that. So that's very exciting stuff. Um, Matt Boyd's looking very good. Um, he was obviously kind of just laughing to himself at some of the swings hitters were taking against him on Tuesday, and it was, the whole thing was just absolutely a blast to watch. He was uh, he was just a monster that day, and all that throughout that start, you could see people on Twitter, like a lot of national writers, um, a lot of the big like fantasy baseball writers. Everybody was just kind of like going nuts, and the chatter was all in Matt Boyd's direction, uh, which was cool to see. It's really really been neat to see him kind of come into his own. I think Matt Boyd is 28 now. Um, right in his prime, you know, pitching his best ball and just dominating out there. And it was awesome. So overall, um, to that point, you know, the Tigers pitching had just looked incredible. Um, it was the offense that, you know, was, was kind of scaring some people, but, um, you know, you went through New York, you went through Toronto, Tigers came out of that four and three. Um, they had an off day before, well, no, they didn't have an off day. The home opener, um, was on Thursday. And, you know, when you, when you come out of the the Bronx with um with a series win you always feel good um you know it's nice that the Tigers caught the caught the Yankees when they did and they took advantage of it and you know beyond that you know having Gordon Beckham and Dustin Peterson come up with the big hits is just a part of why you know baseball is just crazy and unpredictable and also so great um you know those two guys may may never have a you know a better moment than that in their careers you know Gordon Beckham is basically winding down um doesn't really have a place in in the majors really at this point um, Dustin Peterson is a guy who was a decent prospect, but is now 26 and kind of getting to that point. Um, Nico Goodrum was at say last year where it was like, Hey, you know, it's, it's time for you to figure out a way to be effective at the major league level so that a team can get something out of you, or you're kind of starting to look like a career minor leaguer. So, um, you know, we'll see what Peterson can do. I'm happy to have him on the club. Um, at least he's young and young enough to still have some potential. Um, and, you know, has played decent in the corner outfield. Um, I definitely don't see him as a center fielder, but um, nobody really sees Mikey Matuk as a center fielder, and Nico Goodrum hasn't looked much like a center fielder yet either, although, you know, he's only had a couple shots at it, so I'm not really going to say too much about uh, Nico Goodrum center fielder, except that I would like to see them keep sending him up because he has the speed to play the position. And, um, you know, Ron Gardenhire has talked about, you know, how it's a, some, at some point they're going to need to find Nico Goodrum a positional home to make sure he can get enough at bats because um you know the the plate appearances have been really really good so far nico seems to be seeing the ball great um he's drawn a ton of ton of walks and even though the numbers aren't you know incredible um apart from his 220 wrc plus which is fantastic um he's he's drawn a lot of walks and when he is swinging he's making contact and it's been hard contact so that's been super cool so that was the first two series, and we're going to take just a momentary break, and then we will talk about opening day, and then get into the offense a little bit, and wrap things up with a quick uh, quick look around the minor leagues. So stay for just a moment.
right. We're back, and let's get into opening day. Um, because, you know, the Tigers right now are a difficult, difficult franchise to be super excited about, obviously. And yet, opening day is just such a huge tradition in Detroit, and God bless you, Tigers fans. Um, it looked like, you know, the, the fans came out in full force. Everybody had a blast. Um, we had Craig Monroe running around in his orange suit, um, having a great time and kind of being the Don Cherry ambassador to the fan base from uh, from the broadcast team. Um, you know, whatever you feel about Craig Monroe, he's, he's a fun guy and a fun presence um, around the club and, you know, interacts really well with the fans, um, is pretty beloved by a lot of people. And I really like Craig Monroe. I wouldn't want him as my, as my regular color guy or anything like that, although Jack Morris um, might make me reconsider that possibility but um yeah opening day you know just a, just a blast in detroit um our boys with uh, tigers srd um had keenan carter um who writes for us at bless your boys and also does the minor league tracker podcast um and has his own site as well on the side that you should check out um does a ton of good minor league coverage for us he um he was there um those three guys did a podcast together with um paul wesner from tigstown over at 24 7 sports um that was really good and is worth um hunting down on the internet if you if you're interested in hearing some really good perspectives on the Tigers farm system. Um, so they had that going on an opening day. Um, I think just about everyone on the site, you know, either took the day off work or was trying to, trying to watch, um, from work, uh, which was the situation I found myself in due to, um, some irritating stuff that had to be dealt with at work that wouldn't let me escape. So I didn't end up getting the day off, but I did, um, did watch the whole game afterward and it was another fun one. Um, Spencer Turnbull came out in his second um, his second start of the season and looked real good once again. Um, you know he he scattered a few runs, but um, but the Royals never really mounted any kind of a major rally against him. You know he allowed like a run in the first, one in the third, one in the fifth, and maybe the most impressive thing about you know his first two starts has been that when you know Spencer Turnbull throughout his time in the minor leagues, um, you know was a guy that the Tigers drafted in the second round in 2014. Everybody's always liked his fastball, um, and the secondary pitches have, have kind of slowly come along, but the first couple years um, in the organization, he was really hampered by a lot of shoulder injuries and couldn't really stay on the mound consistently. And when you're having issues like that, it's just really hard to, to you know, to make any strides in your development. Um, it's hard to improve your command, hard to refine, really, to refine any of your, you know, your breaking balls or your changeup. So, you know, he kind of fell down the rankings, and I'm sure a lot of people are looking at, um, you know, a lot of lot of Tigers, you know, farm system rankings and wondering why, you know, Spencer Turnbull on a lot of them is, you know, probably ranked, you know, 14th, 15th. Um, I think we had him somewhere in the, in the early teens, like 11th or 12th. I'd have to look it up, but, um, but it's basically because he's 26 years old and, you know, has been, you know, pretty injury prone since the Tigers picked him up. But the past two seasons, um, he's, he's finally gotten those issues under control. I'd be real interested in hearing if he, if he changed anything in his conditioning, um, or in his mechanics to, you know, to kind of take some of the, the stress um, off of his shoulder. And we're just going to have to see how durable he is this year. Um, and that might be kind of a cloud that hangs over him, you know, for an, another couple years. Um, but, you know, by the same token, that, that cloud hangs over just about every starting pitcher or any pitcher in general in baseball. So you can't worry too much about those kind of things. Um, and the thing, to go back to my initial point before I went off on this wild tangent um, throughout Spencer Turnbull's entire career, is that... Um, you know, he's had a tendency to start out strong in his outings and then, you know, start to lose command, um, struggle when he gets into the stretch or when he gets into a tight spot. 
And some of that is, you know, is was perhaps physical in the early going, but a lot of that is just sort of the mental struggles that any young starter has to kind of push himself through um, to kind of take your lumps, you know, battle out of jams, and then come back strong with shutdown innings. And Spencer Trumbull's done that um, in both of his, his two outings. Um, the strikeouts have been there. Um, really, you know, the, the curveball in particular has looked really good. Um, he's thrown quite a few good sliders. Both of those two pitches have been relatively inconsistent in his career, although at his best, he, he has a pretty good one of both. Um, and he punched out 10 Royals um, without too much difficulty. I mean, those guys were swinging at air quite a bit. Um, he gave up six hits, two earned runs. Um, there was you know a third run that was the result of Nico Goodrum kind of having a ball, like just kind of skip past him in the outfield, um, in center field, and go all the way to the wall. Um, that was Whit Merrifield, and um, Goodrum did pretty well to hustle back there and get it back in before Whit Merrifield cruised around for an inside the Parker because that dude is fast and steals tons of bases um, and is a really good player on a Royals team that doesn't really have a whole lot to offer other than him, um, Alberto Mondesi, and, you know, perhaps, you know, we'll see if maybe Jorge Soler eventually kind of breaks things out a little bit. Um, as far as the Tigers' offense in that game, you know, it was another game where they, they did rack up quite a few hits. Um, you know, we had Nico Goodrum in particular, um, just kind of raking. <laughs> um, hit two doubles in that game, racked up three RBI. Um, Miggy roped a, I think it was a single to the wall in right center. Um, just a bullet out there um, to score a run. He walked twice. Nick Castellanos walked twice. Josh Harrison walked twice. Um, that was seven walks between, you know, your first four hitters. And Jacob Junis you know, has, has kind of had the Tigers number um, last year, especially. And it wasn't terribly wild, but but the Tigers have shown pretty good patience and did a nice job getting on base. And a lot of times when there were runners in scoring position, you know, they, you could you could kind of tell they were nibbling um, on the KC side and, and trying not to get in too much trouble. So um, who else had a good hit? You know, like Kristen Stewart um, had an RBI double in that game. That was nice to see. Kind of went down um, in a tough count. And took a pitch below the zone and, and drilled it down the right field line. Um, he's had some struggles early on, but continues to hit the ball hard and draw walks. Um, you're going to see that a lot from him. Um, it's you know it's likely he's going to have some struggles as a rookie, but um, but the power is there and the you know the pick, pitch recognition isn't necessarily great, but the zone recognition is really really pretty good, um, which is one of the reasons we've been pretty confident in Kristen Stewart that he would at least be you know a pretty productive hitter this year. Um, we did have Blaine Hardy come out and give up a run in that game, but um, but otherwise he was solid. And Shane Green came out in that game um, for the third day in a row and picked up a save. Um, you know, the slider looked really good from him. Um, his fastball command has been pretty darn good. Um, the velocity has been down, um, which is a little concerning. Um, you know, I'm always a little bit concerned about Shane Green because he's had so many arm injuries. Um, this is a guy who had Tommy John surgery way back when he was in ju like junior college um, when he was 19. You just never know if he got the best, you know, care and rehab in that situation. Um, and he, obviously he's he's had to have the ulnar nerve transposition surgery. Um, I think he had bone chips cleared up at one point. And he still dealt with the ulnar neuritis, which is the tingling and numbness in his fingers. Um, and that seems to especially affect him when it's cold out. So I, once again, I really did not love Ron Gardenhire using Shane Green three days in a row. Um, you know, other people disagreed. Um, I think Robert Jackie, you know, was, was pretty well fine with it. A couple of the people on the site weren't particularly bothered. For me, I would like to see them take a little better care of Shane Green this year in the hope of, of dealing him in July and not kind of having this thing where he, you know, pitches well, 
for two months and then fades out over the summer months, um, right when you're looking to deal them, which is what happened last year. Um, and, you know, you can't necessarily blame that on how he was used. Um, but, you know, Ron Gardenhire leaned on Shane Green pretty heavily in the, in the early going last year as well. Um, even had him close out, you know, back-to-back, -back, you know, well, double, a double header where he pitched in both games. Um, you know, that, that's pretty heavy usage. You know, Shane Green is a, an experienced guy. He's a tough guy. He's got the, the right mentality to be a closer, but he's not, you know, an absolutely dominant arm out there. Um, you know, he's a guy who has a, a nice cutter, pretty nice fastball, but neither is terribly overpowering. But when he does have the slider going, it's a nasty, like, Corey Kluber-looking Frisbee up there that is pretty hard to hit. And he's looked pretty good in, in the early going. I would just like them to take it a little bit easier on him rather than, you know, take the chance of, of damaging him as a as a potential trade piece, you know, just to squeeze out an extra win in April. Um, that's just my thought on it. They know, you know, they know their guys better than I do. Obviously, they know what they're doing better than I do. Um, they're in the room with, with Shane. Um, and, you know, if he looks all right to them and they're comfortable with it, um, you know, go, go with what they say. But I would still like to see them just be a little bit more judicious in how they deploy him. Um, I believe Shane Green now leads the major leagues with five saves. Um, if you didn't pick up pick him up in a fantasy league, you probably made a big mistake there because if you still have saves in your fantasy league, there aren't a whole lot of guys who you can depend on. Um, but yeah, so generally, you know, just all in all, uh, a really good day. You know, Turnbull, you know, he was getting whiffs on the curveball. He was getting whiffs on the slider. Um, he's mixing his cutter in there. And, you know, I think people are, are kind of wondering, like, is Spencer Turnbull just way better than people thought, they, thought that he was? Um, I saw Eric Langenhagen in his chat, I think it was today or yesterday, um, who's uh, one of the lead prospect writers, along with Kylie McDaniel for Fangraphs, um, both of whom I really respect and, and love the work of. You know, he was still kind of, someone asked him about um, Turnbull today in his chat, and he was still like, yeah, you know, still just kind of a fifth starter. And that's not an unreasonable perspective to hold at this point. Um, we still need to see a lot more. You know, because of some of the durability issues, most of us have kind of pegged Spencer Turnbull as hopefully like a, a good late in innings reliever um, when you could kind of, you know, turn him loose to ramp his fastball up to 97, 98, you know, maybe just focus on one breaking ball and his changeup and not be throwing sort of like six pitches, which is basically what he's got going right now. Um, you know, the... The issue I think that remains for Spencer Turnbull is just fastball command um, and, and seeing if he can kind of refine that a little bit. He's still, you know, he's, his control is better. Um, he's, he throws a lot more strikes than he did at, at various points in his minor league career, um, but he's still not exactly like painting the edges, you know, spotting everything where he wants it. And he's got such a kind of diverse mix of fastballs that that may just be asking too much. And it may perhaps at some point, He's going to have to just decide, you know, to, to kind of live with the sinker or to live with the four-seamer, um, maybe with the cutter as, as an addition. Um, it's just hard to know. You know, it, it helps if you don't have great control to have three fastball variants because it makes it a lot harder for hitters to barrel you up. Um, should help him keep the ball in the park and not get hit too hard off the fastball. But, uh, but it also may be, you know, one of those things where it also makes it harder for him to really refine his command and sequencing um against hitters because he's throwing a cutter and then he's throwing a rising four seamer with really good, you know, backspin on it. And then he's taking all the spin off of it with a sinker that actually drops, you know, pretty darn well and is a very effective pitch as well. And really kind of his bread and butter. So he's, you know, he's throwing a lot of stuff up there. Um, and so far it's been working and we'll just kind of have to see if maybe, you know, paring that down at some point is necessary or if he can, um, you know, kind of, kind of wing these three varieties of fastball up there 
you know, 93 to 95 and just be really hard to square up and then follow up with the curveball and the slider and just dominate people. Um, you know, we, we've seen that in the early going and we'll have to kind of keep an eye on it to see how it goes. Um, I wouldn't get too excited, but it, you know, it really does look like Spencer Turnbull has obvious, well, we knew he had the stuff to pitch in the major leagues, but it, it looks like he's, he's ready to be a consistently useful major leaguer. And, you know, the question now is just whether or not he can come a little bit further as a starter and move himself into being, you know, like maybe a mid-rotation guy. Um, I don't think that's out of the question, um, but I also still don't think it's out of the question that he has some rocky stretches and, you know, possibly isn't terribly durable. And, you know, in those cases, it may still be a return to the bullpen is, is the best thing to do with them. And you might actually get yourself a really dominant reliever out of him. And, you know, the way relief, you know, dominant relievers are valued these days, that may be in, in the long run, um, the best course of action for them. But overall, just, you know, just a super fun opening day. Um, great for the, you know, the fans to come out and get a win out there and have a good time. And then, you know, because they always have the, you know, the day after opening day off, um, just to allow for them to move opening day in case of, you know, a weather issue. Um, there was no baseball today, which is just kind of weird all of a sudden to have no baseball on a Friday for the Tigers. Um, but in general, you know, you couldn't ask for any more than for the Tigers to go five and three, um, to come home and play some AL Central teams that aren't particularly good. And, you know, what we've seen so far is that the Cleveland Indians are really struggling. There is really not much to offer on that team in terms of offense. Um, you know, right now the Tigers offense actually looks better, um, to me than the Indians offense does, which is really weird to say. Um, and I assume won't last, <laughs> but, um, they're going to have to get Francisco Lindor healthy and get him back on the field. Um, Jose Ramirez has really kind of struggled um, going back to the last month or two of last season. And but beyond those two guys, you know, you've got Carlos Santana and then you've got like Leonis Martin in center field. You know, maybe Bradley Zimmer takes a little step forward, but they really did nothing to augment their offense um, in the offseason. It's just baffling that the, the whole Cleveland fan base and the fact that they don't come out for a team that's that good and has young star talent um, like Lindor and Ramirez and has, you know, maybe the best rotation still in the game, even though the bullpen isn't what it used to be. Um, it's just maddening. You know, it's, it's, it's just weird. You, you really, um, you know, I have no love for Cleveland, but I would really, really like uh, to see those, those guys come out and support their team. And it's just baffling that they don't, you know, you don't deserve nice things, Cleveland. Um, all your starters should belong to us. So that'll wrap it for opening day. Um, let's talk about the offense a little bit. In general, the offense has looked terrible. Um, they've struck out a ton so far. Uh, I don't think anybody uh, has has been unaware of that fact. But of course, you know we've also seen the you know Tigers pitchers striking out, striking out you know tons of opposing batters. And again, some of that is just you know kind of the early season stuff where you know the pitchers are a little bit ahead of the hitters. Um, so you know I wouldn't make too much out of the the, the strikeout rate the Tigers have posted so far. Um, they're not going to hit like this all year. I'm pretty convinced this is a better offense than you guys, you know, had to watch last year. Um, some of that does depend on how long, you know, and how much Miguel Cabrera can, can stay healthy and be on the field. But, um, but even beyond that, you know, the, the Tigers do have some, some interesting young weapons, um, offensively now. And while, you know, half of the lineup is, you know, pretty forgettable and you're just not really going to get a whole lot out of guys like Jordy Mercer and probably Grayson Griner, um, you know, Josh Harrison's not a bad hitter and I expect you'll see him come around. Um, I don't love him as the leadoff guy. I kind of prefer to see Candelario there, um, because Candelario draws more walks, 
um, gets on base a little better and can also provide you some, you know, some kind of front end of the lineup power, uh, which I like to have. Um, but for now, you know, it seems like Gardenhire is pretty set on using Harrison there for the most part. And, you know, that, that's going to be all right. Um, we'll just kind of have to see how it goes. Um, hopefully he'll be flexible if Harrison isn't really getting it done. Um, it, you know, it's too early to really get too deep into the numbers. and I'm, I'm just not going to bother. Uh, but I did read one really interesting article today that made the point that there aren't very many guys in the league who produce exit velocities of 100 miles per hour or better. Um, on balls in play and aren't at least, you know, solid major league hitters. Um, that was basically the gist of, gist of the piece. And in that piece, they pointed out the fact that Nico Goodrum, Jamer Candelario, and Kristen Stewart have all already, you know, surpassed that with at least one ball. Um, I think Nico's got three that are over 100 miles per hour already. Um, and, and that's a good sign because all three of those guys also have some patience at the plate. Um, in general, like Nico has just looked awesome. Um, you know, finding him a place to play, you know, probably isn't that big of an issue because they've got the DH spot open and you can move him around. But um, I would really like to see Nico Goodrum get a shot in the outfield a little more. Uh, I don't know if he can handle center field. Um, he's he's looked a little rocky um, with some of the routes so far, and obviously he misplayed one ball to the wall um, on opening day. But um, but he has the speed to play out there. You know, he's, you know, maybe a hair slower than Jacoby Jones. I'm not sure, though. Like, if, if those type, two guys were in a race, um, they both got the speed to play the position. It's just that Jacoby Jones just, just seems to have, a, you know, just superb instincts for going out and, and catching the ball all over the, you know, the, the outfield. You know, running to the wall, going in either direction, going back, um, coming in on balls. Um, there's a lot to get comfortable with there, and you know Nico Goodrum has hardly played that position. I think he's only started out there, you know, four or five times in his in his whole career. Um, but I wouldn't mind giving him a shot at it. Um, Jacoby Jones uh, began his rehab assignment with the Lakeland Flying Tigers earlier tonight, um, this Friday night when I'm recording, and um, you know, so he's probably not too far away. Um, if he gets into a little bit of a groove and is looking good, he's probably gonna gonna join the club maybe as early as this weekend. Um, you know, you might might even see him Sunday. Um, if not, it probably won't be too long after that. Drew Drew Verhagen, by the way, is also um, starting a rehab assignment down in Lakeland. So those two guys are down there and both look to be on pace to rejoin the big club. And at that point, you know, we assume Jacoby Jones will will play center field just about every day. Um, but I would like to see Nico Goodrum in the corners um, and and use Kristen Stewart and Nick Castellanos a little bit at DH. Um, you know, you need to see Kristen Stewart in left field. You need to see what he can do, but there's nothing wrong with, you know, with giving those guys each, you know, a day off per week to, you know, just kind of ride the pine, you know, just take the DH slot and, and just work on their hitting, um, get whatever's going on in the field out of their heads, um, and give Nico Goodrum, you know, the opportunity to show that, you know, maybe when Nick Castellanos is gone, um, if Nick Castellanos is gone, um, that, you know, maybe he can step in and play right field for you. You know, if, if he's a guy who can draw walks the way it looks like he can, you know, maybe hit you 50, 15 to 20 home runs, um, steal 15 to 20 bases and play, you know, acceptable defense out there. Um, that's a pretty useful player to have. Um, maybe even more useful than, you know, kind of the super utility role that they're, that they've got him designated for. Um, because you would hope, you know, in the future that the Tigers would have a, you know, fairly rock solid middle of the infield. Um, that's really the weakness in the farm system, and really that's the thing that that's you know keeping them from pushing in. I would assume um, to, to to start building back toward being a contender because you know the pitching is coming. Um, 
the pitching on the field has actually been pretty good. Um, the Tigers do have plenty of guys in the farm system who, you know, have the stuff to be good relievers, and the Tigers could start converting some of their starters. Um, it looks like they've already moved Anthony Castro into a relief role at Erie. Um, I, I like that move. Um, Gregory Soto, um, when he returns from his suspension, um, might end up in that role as well. Um, it's about time that he did. He's 24 and just hasn't shown the command or even really the control to, to be a starting pitcher and to go out there and, and pitch multiple innings. Um, so th- there are some guys coming like that. And, the, you know, and what they've had in the bullpen so far has done a nice job. Um, and you've also got you know, Zach Houston, John Schreiber, um, maybe Jose Cisnero, who really impressed in spring camp. Um, you know, there, there's some arms. Um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of typical of a team that isn't very good to have a super irritating bullpen that frustrates opposing fan bases who are trying to win games and, uh, and think of themselves as contenders. So, you know, why not the Tigers? It's, uh, it's time for us to kind of play that spoiler role this year. And so far, Ron Gardenhire and his staff have the Tigers playing um, pretty scrappy baseball. Um, and they've certainly had some luck um, pulling some games out, you know, with, with key hits and really low-scoring games when they didn't do much. But um, but there was also you know I think it was the I think it was the first game of the Yankee series where you know they had two men on and Nico Goodrum just ripped what looked like a double to right field and Aaron Judge made a really really nice diving catch um, to rob him there um, or you know they they might have swept that series um, that might have started something and Nico Goodrum's numbers would even you know look better than they than they did um, just as an aside like uh, how can you not love Aaron Judge like you know just seems like such a good dude and then. You know, as big as he is, he's still, you know, quite an athlete. <laughs> it's it's kind of baffling to watch this dude who's 6'7", and I don't know, like 250, 260 pounds, like, you know, take these huge strides across the outfield and make a diving catch. Um, the man is a freak, and um, and he's good for baseball and fun to watch. And the only the only bad part about Aaron Judge is the team he plays for, but um, but you got to respect the guy. So overall, you know, don't worry too much about the offense. Um you know, one other note, you know, is that to me, Nick Castellanos looks to be moving better in right field and reading the ball off the bat a little better than he did, um, especially early last year. Um, you know, we're all pretty well accustomed to the idea that Nick Castellanos is a terrible defender. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. Um, I think you're going to see him, you know, be, you know, solidly just a below average right fielder. And last year, Nick Castellanos produced a three-war season you know, basically as the worst or one of the worst defenders in all of baseball. And, um, and that value really, really dragged down um, his, his overall value. You know, if he can go out there this year and, you know, and kind of cut that, that negative defensive value in half, and I'm, I'm pretty confident that he can. You know, you're looking at a guy who might be a four, maybe even a five-war player if he can uh, send a few balls out of the park. Um, you know, I, there's just no reason not to trust the bat. Um, you know, the last three seasons, Nick's been – a really reliable, you know, hitter, above average hitter, not yet a great hitter. And maybe that, that point won't quite come, but, um, but it's been interesting seeing him taking, taking more pitches and looking a bit more willing to, um, to draw a walk this year. You know, last year, Nick Castellanos was on an Island, um, especially once Miguel Cabrera was down, you know, there just wasn't much else in that lineup that anybody knew about or was particularly worried about on the, uh, the opposition side and pitchers didn't have to pitch to him. You know, he was the one guy in that lineup where you could just kind of be careful with, um, and if, you know, having having a little bit more depth around him with Candelario and Goodrum and Kristen Stewart and having Miguel Cabrera back um, allows him to kind of be a little bit more selective, you know, you're going to see his on-base percentage go up and the power numbers will be probably better as well, um, or at least as good. And in the end, I think we're going to rue 
not not offering Nick Cassianos a, a solid extension offer um, before the season started. Um, you know, he's probably, you know, still not going to be like a huge, you know, piece as far as trade bait goes, just because of the way teams seem to be valuing um, good hitting outfielders who don't play good defense. Um, you know, we saw this in the J.D. Martinez situation. Um, you know, we've seen it with, with a couple other teams and, and players, um, guys struggling to find work. So, I just don't know if it's going to be worth it to um, to trade him rather than having just extended him before the season. Um, but it also doesn't mean that he's necessarily gone. Obviously, the Tigers could end up just bringing him back in free agency if this all kind of goes this way. And you never know. Maybe maybe he'll just butcher it up out there in right field, and you guys can all just kind of come back at me and be like, "Hey, what were, you know, what were you thinking? Believing in Nick Castellanos as a defender?" Um, let me just make clear: I don't believe in him as a defender. I just don't believe he's nearly as bad as we saw last year. Um, I think if you looked at split defensive numbers you would see that Nick Castellanos you know accumulated a lot of that that really bad defensive value in the first part of last season and played more acceptably as the season went on and probably will do reasonably okay this year um so that's about as far as I'll go but that's really all that needs to happen for Nick Castellanos to kind of start start creeping up on the edge of you know being a potential all-star candidate um he's not going to get the pub on this team um people aren't going to be paying a whole lot of attention to him but um when trading season comes around in July, especially, um, he's going to be a name that's on a lot of people's lips for teams that are looking for a bat. So we'll just have to see how it plays out. But um, but so far, returns have been a little bit better in my estimation, and we'll just see if that holds up. So the series will get back underway um, tomorrow on Saturday, and the pitching matchup will be uh, Matt Moore taking on Jorge Lopez um, of the Royals. Um, Lopez I don't really know too much about. Um, the Tigers have only faced him once, uh, last September, I believe, and just absolutely lit into him for one inning and I think, and scored six or seven runs off of him. That's, that's really my only memory of Jorge Lopez. So hopefully things go similarly tomorrow. Um, Matt Moore, you know, it'll just be interesting to see if he can recreate what he did in his, in his first start because, um, his velocity looked better than it had been in a couple years. Um, he was sitting 94, 95 and kind of pounding the top of the zone, mixing in the cutter, curveball, and the changeup. And I, I don't have a ton of faith in, in Matt Moore um, going forward, at least as a starter. Uh, but if he's throwing that hard, again, um, you know, he's a guy who could do a, a pretty good Justin Wilson kind of impersonation as a reliever. And that could have a lot of value to a team, too. Um, and the fact that, he, that he's pitched as a starter and as a reliever already in his career, you know, he might be a, an, an interesting guy for a contending team to pick up um, to kind of use in both those roles and maybe hold over as a you know, fairly hard-throwing lefty um, reliever to take into the postseason. So um, there's at least that potential, and we'll see how things shake out tomorrow. Um, and that's going to kind of wrap it up for, for the Tiger talk here. Um, I'm going to take a short break, and we'll come back, and I'm just going to kind of hit on what I saw from the Erie Seawolves on Friday night in their home opener, well, their, their opening game of the season. Um, they had Matt Manning on the mound, and I will bring you my impressions of Matt Manning's start and... Um, some of what the the wrecking crew that was the Seawolves offense tonight um, did at the plate. So we'll be right back. Okay, and then to wrap things up for tonight, um, let's just do a little segment on what I saw watching the Erie Seawolves on Friday night in their home opener against the um, the Yankees Double A affiliate, the Trenton Thunder. Uh, Matt Manning got the start in this one and didn't particularly look that good. Um, it was a cold night in Erie. Um, he didn't really have a feel for the curveball. 
Um, had a couple of those kind of fly out of his hand. Um, there were a couple that looked like the nasty plus breaking ball that we saw um, most of, of last season, um, but didn't really have it. Um, did throw a couple of really nice change-ups I saw in there as well. Um, but basically, you know, just, just kind of cruised. Um, you know, he was just kind of blowing fastballs by people the whole game. Um, didn't really have to lean back for too much either. You know, it looked like it was 93-95, although we didn't have a gun. Um, and the announcers weren't doing much to announce um, velocity readings. Um, but, you know, Matt went five innings, um, allowed just one run, one hit. Um, I can't remember who it was, but someone pulled one down into the, the right field corner. Um, a lefty kind of hit a pitch at the bottom of the zone and in. Um, that was really the only hard hit ball um, the entire game. He wasn't real efficient necessarily, um, but it wasn't bad. Well, you know, it wasn't even that bad. You know, 68 pitches, 44 strikes. Um, he just basically kind of lost his arm slot a couple times. Um, he walked three in the game, struck out five. But again, only allowed the one hit, um, you know, and, and really just was throwing easy gas. And, that, you know, we saw that a lot last year that, you know, he looks like he could reach back for more if he wanted to and, you know, is, is pretty content to just throw 93, 95 and, and try to locate well. Um, and with the extension he gets, like, you know, just no one was getting good swings off that fastball. He was just pumping the same pitch like past people, um, you know, at times spotting it really well, at other times just kind of, you know, control over command and just kind of throwing it in the strike zone. Um, and yeah, you know, had a few, had a few moments where he got a little bit wild, um, and was visibly frustrated with himself, which from my perspective is pretty cool to see. Um, I've talked to Matt and interviewed him a couple times and he is a very, very cool, collected, um, mature customer. Um, even when I first talked to him, when I think he was only 19, um, that was the impression I've got, you know, he's, he's just very like very composed professional person. Um, and you don't necessarily see that much like you know, emotion or fire out of him, but, um, but he missed with a couple pitches in a row, um, on two different occasions and, and was visibly pissed off with himself, um, which was kind of fun to see. Uh, it's just nice to kind of, you know, see the humanity there. Cause Matt really does just look like this, you know, just this methodical, like hard throwing kind of, you know, pitching, pitching bot out there on the mound. So it's just fun to see a little bit of emotion out of him. Um, one thing I noticed, um, you know, his, his delivery doesn't really look particularly changed. Um, you know, we've kind of talked and on, on the site and also um, we've also heard, you know, Ron Gardenhire and um, the Tigers pitching coach Rick Anderson both kind of mention just, you know, the stride link that Matt Manning gets and the fact that, you know, it, it leaves him on a really bent left leg as he as he goes into release um, and, and probably limits his hip rotation a little bit. Um, it, he kind of ends up just like sliding his, his whole um, torso kind of forward over the lead leg and you know still gets still gets great extension um you know it's still able to snap off the breaking ball and locate pretty well but there's there's sort of a lack of fluidity um at the end and a lack of sort of snap um at the end of his delivery there um that that you know may require some some addressing at some point um it might be better for him to shorten that that stride just a little bit and that was the suggestion that Gardenhire and Anderson had made but it didn't really didn't really look like he'd made any um particular adjustments and, you know, maybe he won't until he needs to. Um, and one of the things that was notable is that, you know, the, the Trenton Thunder don't, didn't really appear to have any particularly good um, good prospects in the, in the lineup. Um, I didn't really see anybody who looked very, very, um, very hitterish to me. Uh, but especially against Matt, you know, his, his 93 to 95 probably looks like 97 to those guys. And he was just kind of blowing them away without, um, without much visible effort. So, and he also does look, um, one thing... I guess that was a little bit different is that Manning does look like he's, he's put on some muscle. Um, we saw that last year, like, you know, the bean pole that we saw kind of in, in 2017, 
Last year, he kind of filled out a little bit. Um, he looks a little bit more filled out this year. You know, his legs look bigger, a um, little bit broader across the back. And, um, you know, we keep kind of joking uh, behind the scenes about him filling out to end up looking like Noah Syndergaard and then forcing him to grow his hair out. And um, he's still on pace to end up, um, you know, that size of a pitcher. So, but, you know, this is just his first outing. Um, you know, we'd like to see the breaking ball come along. Um, there are still some issues maybe with, with his, his mix of pitches um, and, and how well they play together that will have to be resolved as he goes along. But, um, you know, generally generally looked as dominant as you could ask, um, basically not needing much more than the fastball. And if he kind of, you know, goes out and is, is kind of cutting through everybody without much difficulty for a few months, um, you may end up seeing him in Toledo faster than you think because he's he's got to be challenged a little bit more than that and, um, and pitch in a little bit more trouble. Um, so we'll see. It's early. Um, I assume he will have some struggles along the way, and we will see. Um, the other notes from that game are that um, Derek Hill had a really nice night. Um, I saw him, you know, drill a triple to the right center field wall. Um, you know, it was a it was a ball that would be a double for most players, but um, Derek Hill just just burned it around the base pass. Um, he had three hits in the game, um, drove in a pair of runs, and then Josh Lester um, had a home run in the game. Um, early on, and then kind of the, the real dagger was in the sixth inning. Um, Isaac Paredes, who, you know, had two hits, four RBI in this game, um, just absolutely murdered a pitch um, to left field and for his first home run of the season, and that was a two-run shot. Um, and, and that was kind of the point where it was just it was just sort of all over, and they went on to win by a score of 11-1. to So that was a good debut. Um, we had Casey Mize debut on Thursday for Lakeland. Um, he took a no-hitter into the sixth inning, I believe. Um, only gave up one hit, struck out six. Um, talked a little bit to James Chipman, um, who's a scout who writes for um, and scouts for 24-7 sports um, over at Tigstown um, and has, you know, written for Fangraphs and a bunch of other places. Um, James Chipman is a, you know, a no BS kind of guy. He's, he's seen a lot of baseball players over the years um, and pretty much tells it like it is. And um, he wasn't exactly exuberant, but by his standards, he was pretty impressed with what he saw. Um, it sounds like maybe Mize has kind of ditched that slurve. You know, he was working on that um, in the offseason and during spring camp, you know, kind of throwing a more um, downward breaking, um, you know, it's kind of, I mean, it's basically like a curveball the way he was throwing it, but with some horizontal action to it. Um, bit of 11 to five movement and it seems like maybe he's gotten rid of that or at least has put it in the back, uh, the back burner because, um, the slider was registering, you know, mid, mid eighties again, um, which is kind of the, more like the slider that he had in college at Auburn. Um, and that we expected kind of coming into the season. Um, I like the idea of, of the slur, but maybe it just hasn't worked out or he doesn't feel comfortable with it yet. Um, so that'll be something to keep an eye on. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of it for the notes. Um, Trying to think if there was anything else of note. Uh, Tariq uh, Skubal pitched for um, Lakeland tonight. I didn't really get a chance to look at his line yet, but we did get some some video clips from Keenan Carter. I know Keenan's a big fan of of Skubal and um, had him interviewed him on the Minor League Tracker podcast uh, maybe about a month ago. Um, that's something you could look for if you kind of want to hear more from the young man. But he's a he's got a really nice looking delivery, very clean action, um, throws hard for a lefty. You know can can touch 95, 96, um, pretty lively fastball and breaking ball. Um, he's a really interesting, um, pitching prospect to me that the Tigers picked up, um, kind of, I think eh, it might've been the fifth round, um, fifth or sixth round somewhere in there. Um, but he's a guy who could turn out to be a steal. So it'll be fun to keep an eye on him as the season goes along. Um, and we will certainly be doing so as our coverage of the minor leagues is, you know, kind of 
kicked off and will be a big part of what we're bringing you um, all spring and summer long. So for now, I think that's going to wrap things up. Um, Ashley and I will be back with our usual episode um, this Wednesday. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about how the Kansas City series ended up and kind of preview from there what's been what else has been going on. Um, and that uh, will about do it. Um, I also have plans, actually, I'm going to try to get Rob um, or Jackie on sometime next week. And maybe Keenan will have a minor league tracker podcast sometime next week. I'm not 100% sure um, kind of what his schedule is like. But, um, but we're going to try to talk um, a good bit about the minor leagues now that they're underway. And, the t- you know, kind of break down the Tigers affiliates, um, look at some of the key guys to watch. And, you know, that's going to be a bit of a fun part of being a Tigers fan this year. <clears throat> you know, watch them, watch the main team, but keep an eye on the prospects because that's where the future lies. And, you know, how those guys go is going to determine how fast, um, you know, the Tigers can kind of get back to being a contender again. And ho- hopefully um, how soon, you know, Chris Illich is encouraged to open the open the pocketbook and start adding a little bit more talent to sort of round things out. So that'll about do it for this week. Thanks for joining me, and we will talk to you all later. Good night.